this race will be the hardest thing some people have ever done in their lives. And for them to, you know, get that finisher pin at the end, that's really all they're after. That and a good dinner. At what point does a 10-kilometer paddleboard race seem like not enough of a challenge? How about 50 kilometers or 500 kilometers? At 715 kilometers, the Yukon River Quest is the longest annual stand-up paddleboard race on Earth. 2017 marks the second year that paddleboarders are allowed to enter a race that's been taking place on the historic Yukon River for two decades. Joining me today is Jeff Brady, who helped organize the early editions of this event and is still part of the team involved in pulling off this logistical nightmare that is a multi-day 715-kilometer paddling race. Stay tuned. This is the Talks Up podcast with your host, Dan Dakin. Jeff, thanks so much for joining me here today. I want to get straight into it, and I know that you were one of the guys who helped get this race off the ground 20 years ago. So tell us a little bit about how the Yukon River Quest actually came about. Yeah, yeah, I kind of created this monster. Uh, (laughs) Myself and a a friend of mine, um, Buckwheat Donahue, were uh, part of a centennial committee for the Klondike Gold Rush, back in uh, 1997-98, and we're, we're from Skagway, Alaska, and we dreamed up this race to, to sort of recreate the gold rush, and it was called Dye to Dawson, from Dye, Alaska to Dawson City, Yukon, uh, taking people over the historic Chilkoot Trail, and then uh, down uh, through the Yukon River system all the way to Dawson, a distance of about 600 miles. And we got permitted for it for two years, uh, from the park services in both countries uh, for the Chilka Trail portion, and then uh, worked with uh, various paddlers and uh, support groups in the Yukon to carry it on. And it was uh, hugely successful, uh, great media coverage uh, worldwide. Um, we had just Alaska and Yukon teams the first year, and then, uh, and then invited an international community to challenge the Alaska-Yukon winners the second year. Uh, and what was, you know, long story short, what re- resulted was that uh, there was a desire to keep keep it going somehow. We couldn't really recreate the Chilkoot part every year, and plus it made the race about, it, you know, up to two weeks long for the back of the pack. So we, we were looking at something shorter, and we were working with uh, John Firth and some others in the Yukon to start a new race that would just focus on the, the paddling part from Whitehorse to Dawson, and that's how the Yukon River Quest got started, and I was in on uh, part of that as well, and, and the transformation eventually to the Yukon River Marathon Paddling Association, which runs it today. Right, and and I know that uh, we're we're heading into the the 19th edition, I guess, in 2017. Um, but I do want to talk a little bit about the the river itself, and then kind of we'll talk a bit more about the race, sure. um, and and obviously the the addition of stand up paddleboards in 2016. Um, so so the river, especially the section from Whitehorse to Dawson, um, which I should clarify, it's it's so it's 715 kilometers, right? That section from from Whitehorse to Dawson yes. City. Yes. Yes. 715k. Uh, if if you uh, take all the right channels, it can be longer for for some, uh, not shorter. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah, 715K is the most direct route is what we tell people. <laughs> it's sort of a find your own adventure, uh, pick your own adventure well, type thing. It's the river is uh, it's a big river. Uh, at the start in Dawson, it's uh, it's it's only a, you know just just a couple hundred meters wide, it, and then it. Uh, goes into Lake Labarge, which is really the toughest part of the race. It's just about 30k into it, and you, then you have a a long um, 50k lake to deal with that can blow up all kinds of weather on you. Um, what and and uh, once you get past that, then you're into a, a, another narrow stretch of river, and then it just widens as other rivers join it: the Teslin, the Big Salmon. Uh, the Pelly. Once those bigger rivers join it, it can be quite rock wide, um, you know, like a kilometer wide, and so you'll have a number of channels that you have to negotiate uh, the closer you get to Dawson. Right, and and I guess as the uh, as it gets a little wider and you get some of those tributaries coming in, uh, I, I guess the um, the current picks up a little bit. It gets a little quicker, doesn't it? It it does, uh, but it it it's. It sometimes feels like it doesn't. <laughs> uh, sometimes when you're on a bigger river, you don't realize how fast you're moving. Uh, generally, just generally speaking, if there's been a lot of snow uh, in in the Yukon over the course of a winter, then you're going to have more flow in June. Um, in the last three years, we haven't really had that, so it's been a slower times uh, by an average of probably four or five hours. Um, overall even for some of the world's fastest paddlers and and yeah what is the the fastest that this race has ever been done regardless of the the type of of boat uh how quickly can people potentially do this race in well the fastest time on record was uh about 39 and a half hours and that was by a a very fleet um kind of canadian voyager team in a pretty fast carbon fiber boat uh, and that was in 2008, and um, it, it hasn't. Nobody's come close to that since. Uh, th- there was a lot of competition that year. It was a very fast river. There was a team from from Texas that was has won the the race multiple times that that couldn't quite catch them uh, and had the previous record at, at just over 40 hours. So, uh, wow. but we haven't seen we haven't seen times in the lower 40s in in a while. Uh, last year's winning time was uh, forty. I believe it's forty-six hours, fifteen minutes. That's incredible for that distance. Now, now there are there are a couple of uh, mandatory stops. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, what we found is that you know teams do need rest, and uh, even though you can paddle twenty-four hours a day because of the the, the daylight, we, we never it never gets dark, and and that's something for a lot of people that's really hard to grasp. But it does not get dark. It'll get dusk-like, uh, and we do require people to turn their headlight on or a headlamp on for like four hours. But you can still see uh, really well when you're out on the water. But you do need to stop a couple of times, and we we have a midpoint stop at Carmax for seven hours, and um, basically it's a good spot where you can also refuel the boat, basically with you know new food. Uh, you can get a nice rest, get a shower if you want. And then further down, uh, with about uh, oh no, about 140k to go, is uh, Coffee Creek, and that's a, a shorter stop. That's mainly built in for um, 
for slower racers that just want to try and finish, but we needed to have it available for everyone. And that gives you a nice quick little rest, uh, something, something quick to eat, and, and then you can go on your way. And you're, it's a lot easier for teams to finish uh, with that extra stop. Before we had that, we had some serious hallucination issues among paddlers. Uh, right, right. Uh, one solo paddler even got lost. He was paddling upriver in a slough. We, we were lucky to find him. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess over that kind of distance uh, and, and in the type of environment that you're in, uh, these sort of remote areas, um, I, I'm guessing that safety is a is a big issue. And I know that you're looking for volunteers for 2017 and, and volunteers themselves must play a major role in keeping the, the paddlers safe and keeping this event going. Yeah, we have about 200 volunteers. And, I mean, they range from people who help out at checkpoints, timers, things like that. But we also have a fleet of about uh, anywhere from six to ten safety boats. They're not really allowed to help teams. Uh, what we do stress and all over the website and the rules is that teams have to be self-supportive as if they were going out on a multiple, you know, like a two-week camping trip. You have to bring everything with you that will sustain you if you get in trouble and if you have to go ashore, uh, if you get hypothermic, you need to be, you know, be able to build a fire and, and, and make something warm to, you know, to drink. And, um, you know, if it, uh, God forbid that you do tip over and lose your boat, at least within your life jacket, you will have some sort of safety, bid, uh, you know, space bivy sack or something that will keep you warm and some, some method of signaling a boat that would go by, and also that would do require spot or other tracking devices that are able to send out a signal uh, if you do get in trouble. I mean, I guess, again, this is a 715-kilometer race, um, not exactly in, you know, the, the heart of a city or anything, so um, that tracking is, is so important, keeping everybody, uh, keeping everybody safe. And the other thing is, is the weather is constantly changing, but the one constant is that the water that you're paddling in is cold. It's, uh, you know, it's probably about 5 degrees Celsius. And Ooh, that's, that is very that's cold. as warm as it gets. Um, <laughs> wow. So if you go in the water, uh, actually that's where stand-up paddleboard board paddlers, I think, have a bit of an advantage because they're used to, especially if they're paddling in the north, they, they're mostly paddling in cold water all over Canada. So they are ready for that if they do go in. And, and most of them are already wearing some sort of uh, wetsuit or dry suit, so they're, they're in good shape. The, the, the one paddler that we did have uh, go into Five Finger Rapids last year just hopped right on his board uh, uh, well before the safety boat could have gotten to him. Right, and I guess that's the, the, the other thing with stand-up paddleboards is, I mean, it's a heck of a lot easier to get back up onto your board when you're, when you're on a, a paddleboard than if you're trying to get back into a canoe or a kayak or something. Exactly. Uh, I canoe uh, tandem and Voyager, and, and I was, we were in a little warm-up race last summer, my son and I, before the River Quest, and uh, we're paddling with Stuart Knack, who is, uh, running, runs SCP. Yukon, uh, and he he just kind of, he purposely jumped off and on his boat uh, to show us how it could be done, how easy it was for him to recover in 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 something. And he went right. against headwinds all day, 
and and did fine. So uh, I I wasn't convinced until that point how well they would do. And that that's what I want to ask you. This was a this is a race that its history is with canoes and and then with kayaks. Um, and I mean the the history of that that river itself, you know, goes back. A uh, hundred years, or, or a heck of a lot longer than that, but the modern history goes back a hundred years, and and it's always been about canoeing and and about you know transportation. So, how much of a step was it in 2016 for the the organization to add stand ups, and and did that come after a lot of deliberation, or was it a was it an easy decision to make? I, I it was, believe it or not, it was fairly easy. Uh, we get requests all the time for different sort of craft. Our, our, our limit is that we can only have 100 boats. And we had seen numbers drop a bit down into, like, they'd been up high in the 80s and 90s, uh, but we had seen it drop to 60s, 50s even, a couple years before that. So we thought, well, let's check things up a bit. Let's see if, you know, we, we had strong interest from the SCP community, and we also had strong interest from, from four-person news as well, but one step at a time, so we decided to to try SEPs as an experimental class because we really weren't sure how well they do over you know a long distance and with the conditions we have. Um, but they uh, proved themselves very very well. Uh, we were uh, pleasantly surprised how well they did. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not going to so far. They're not in the competition for you know, being in the top 10 overall or anything like that. But uh, uh, we had uh, 12 register initially, 11 actually started the race, and nine of those finished. So that's pretty impressive. The top three um, all finished within what what would have been money this year. So it was an easy decision for us to make this year to allow them to be an official class, which will have, uh, it'll be an open class that'll pay the same as the other um, solo classes. And, and now, tell me about the the winner um, last year. So you had you had nine people finish last year. Yeah, Bart Deswart. I hope I pronounced that well. Uh, <laughs> he had been one of the ones pushing us <laughs> because he had been in a number of uh, uh, races that he'd done well in, um, and he also had done some uh, you know similar challenges like a. Of, of I believe it was a five hour or five day crossing uh, from the Big from Island Hawaii, to Hawaii, which is a yeah. huge distance. Yeah, incredibly challenging. Yeah, and he he did uh, he did really well. He finished in uh, uh, in fifty four hours forty one minutes. Um, and then the next competitor was uh, Norm Hahn of Squamish, BC. He was fifty four fifty six, and then. Jason Bennett of North Vancouver, fifty four fifty six. If you finish under fifty five hours, you get money, according to our rules. Interesting. So they, Interesting. Yeah, wow. they, so they all would have gotten money, but it was experimental. So last year they got the glory. This year they can come back for a little money. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and Bart, I know he's competed uh, in in Ontario, the Muskoka River X, which is a you know a, a very long race as well. And I think. Uh, I think he's won the last three years in a row. I mean, he's just such a strong paddler, and and as you mentioned, doing that uh, that five day crossing in Hawaii, uh, going to the to the I guess the uh, Polynesian Islands there is just I mean, it's just an incredible accomplishment. But so 
so you have nine people that finish in, in 2016. The decision's easy. You know, we're going to invite them back in 2017. So was it open to as many stand-up paddlers as could get in before the total amount hit 100? Or how did you decide how many would be allowed in? Well, what we decide uh, based on safety concerns, and, and our we find that um, when we do have incidents, uh, it's usually related to, to solo paddlers just because they're out there by themselves. Um, and we aren't watching them all the time. Sometimes we might be two, three hours to where we don't have a safety boat go by. And you can't watch them all the time, yeah, right? Yeah, and you're kind of dependent on other paddlers. You know, if they see something, you hit the spot button or you call on a sat phone. So based on those concerns, we've always kept a 30-boat a solo limit. Uh, no matter what the craft, whether it's solo canoe or solo kayak. What we did this year it, is uh, we kind of stretched that a bit up to 35 and, and with the addition of the SEPs. But they're still going to have to compete you know, with, with the other solos for those slots. Uh, most people knew about that ahead of time, and we put the word out uh, you know, at least a month ahead of time um, to, to get it get to register early and uh, and this year we <laughs> it was just amazing um we, we filled up i mean we didn't we not only filled up with the solo classes in about in a week but we filled out with the whole, whole overall race by the end of november which is unheard of uh, the the two or three times that we have filled all 100 it's always gone into march or april at least um wow that's incredible and, yeah, it really is, and I think a lot of it, and we have a wait list going that's at least a dozen long for solos. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, but I'm sure it's a mix of SCP and other you know, kayaks. So they're, they're on there as a wait list. I mean, if, if, a team, if a solo team drops, then basically the next one on that solo list gets in. So, um, yeah, there's right, a, few right. people, a few people hoping that... Some teams may drop, but uh, it, it's very, you know, uh, we, we have to, we, we really have to keep those limits just because of uh, the number of volunteers we have and, and how long people can be out there. Um, you know, if, if we do have an incident where, and we've had, we've had things where, where people have capsized and, and gotten very wet and cold and had to pull off and, you know, you have to go deal with them. Um, we've had teams, uh, you know, hallucinate and end up in a log jam. Uh, you know, these things happen every now and then. Uh, the last two years, knock on wood, have been really safe, uh, incident-free, and, and uh, a lot of that is just preparation. Um, paddlers knowing what to expect, and we drill them. We give them powerpoints. And <laughs> we, we do we do all we can, but you know, you can't. You know, hopefully there aren't any accidents. Uh, the, the places right. where accidents are more likely to happen on the lake and in the rapids, we have a strong safety net there in case we need to grab people out of the water real quick. Right. Now, I do want to talk about the, the 2017 uh, field of paddlers, of stand-up paddlers, um, but obviously getting in for 2017 is is, is out of the question for, uh, for stand-up racers, but for 2018, when will registration actually open for that 2018 race? It, it opens on November 1st of 2017. And I would I would imagine that that people basically need to be 
ready to register pretty well immediately if they want to try to get in uh, as a as a solo. Yeah, at midnight Pacific time, <laughs> November first, you better be on your laptop. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> the way yeah, this year yeah. went. Keep in mind also that the solo kayakers are doing the same thing. So your audience is mostly SUP, but uh, there's a lot of other solo paddlers out there too, chomping at the bit. Right, and as you mentioned, even though you've got a hundred spots overall in this in this field, thirty five solo max. So I mean, there's not a lot of space for for solo solo paddlers to uh, to get in there. Yeah, and and we like the spread. I mean, we allowed. Um, C4s to come in this year as well. We knew they were safe all along. It was just whether we thought they could, you know, we had some pressure from a few people to try and allow them. But what we did with them was not create their own class. We're just having them race with Voyagers. Uh, whether it's four people or six people, there's not that much of a difference. Right. Um, there, there is in both. So we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of see where that, that shakes out this year as well. And and they of course count as one entry. They're not they're not taking up uh, four entries or anything like that. I mean that's you've got space for a hundred teams or solo uh, racers, right? So I was just looking over the um, the entry list for 2017, and I think that's one of the the great things about the the website. Um, and I'll just point that out. It's just yukonriverquest.com uh, for people who want to go and check it out. Um, it's it's really neat that you can go in and you can see every person who's registered for the race and you can read their bio. You can read a little bit about their, you know, their history with, with paddling and uh, some of the races that they've done. Um, and when you look at the 27 stand-up paddleboard field, it's pretty interesting. Um, you've got uh, Bart Deswart coming back again, looking to defend his, his title. Um, but then you've also got, you know, um, you've got Peter Allen who, uh, who's got open ocean experience. I think he's from, from BC. Um, you've got this Joanne Hamilton Vale who won the MR340, the, the, uh, yeah, she's, paddle a, division. she's the current British champion. Um, right. Extremely strong paddler. And, and, and then a number who don't have as much experience. I mean, you do have others who have, who've done hundred mile races and, and long races along the way and lots of guides and things like that. But I find it interesting that it's a, it's a pretty good mix of, you know, people who, who are way up on that, you know, high end long distance race level. And then you have some of the people who maybe are doing this more as a challenge to see if they can finish this 750 and, kilometer and, paddle. And that's really, uh, the beauty of this race, uh, and, and really any kind of really um, good adventure race, at least up in the north anyway, is that it, it's, it's a mix where you have probably about 10 to 15% of the field generally think they can win something. Uh, but then the rest of the field is, is out there for the experience because this, is a, this, uh, this race will be the hardest thing some people have ever done in their lives. And for them to, you know, get that finisher pin at the end, that's really all they're after, that that and a good dinner and a shirt. <laughs> and, uh, and to say they finished uh, Yukon River Quest is, is really a, a big uh, life changer in some ways for some people. And another great thing about the race is that we have a number of groups that use them for charities. Uh, they'll fundraise from everything from we, – we've had a – 
ongoing uh, crew of of breast cancer survivors uh, in, in Voyager teams. And people are open to doing that, presumably, if they want to to sort of organize their own fundraising aspect to their their event, they're, they're okay to do that. Right. A- absolutely. We, we support that. Um, we had a group, uh, we had a couple of teams from, from Great Britain uh, a couple of years ago that, that raised um, a quarter million dollars for uh for veterans of of of, of wars overseas. Um, wow, that's incredible! Uh, uh, what an amazing who were, who were disabled in wars overseas, and uh, you know that was all started with the River Quest and kind of in partnership with a with a radio station in London. So, wow. uh, you know, we support all that. Um, it, it's and uh, it's it's uh, great for the Yukon too, just to you know have have uh, have a a war. Uh, we ha- it's a world-renowned event now. It's it's kind of cool. Uh, we also have the Yukon Quest, which is a dog sled race, which is very similar, and uh, you know, a number of other uh, smaller races um, up here as well. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, what a what a great way to experience uh, the Yukon, and you know, for all these people coming from all over the world and all over North America for this this race, it, it is a beautiful part of of Canada, and and what an incredible way to see it. And I, I think that, and the Yukon is also, uh, just from my experience, I've canoed and paddled most of the major rivers in the Yukon, but the Yukon itself is kind of the marquee river. And, and for people to, to, it's a beautiful river. To, I mean, most people will spend 10 to 14 days doing the stretch we're doing in a, in a, in a race that only lasts three or four days. But it's a, it's a great place to start as well. Um, because there's other great rivers to, to paddle up here as well. That's incredible. One, one, more, uh, one more person I want to point out who's in the, the field of stand-up paddlers this year, um, and, and I apologize in advance for, for not saying his name correctly, um, but Hiromune Aime, I believe is how you say his name. He's a, hero. This, yeah, hero, yeah. This fellow from Japan. So if I'm seeing this correctly, he's done this race I don't know, five, six times in canoes and, and kayaks and things like that, but he's doing it on a stand-up this year in 2017. It, tell me about this guy. Hero is the happiest man on the planet. That's all I can say about him. He has, he, he is a guy, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to be near the end of the pack, but he's going to have a smile on his face the whole way. He has incredible support from people in his country and also from, from um, he's like a crowd favorite, just a joy to be around. He speaks very, very little English, but uh, he's just wonderful, and I, I, he just wants to try something different this time around. So we'll uh, we'll see how he does. I'm sure he's practicing. <laughs> yeah, what a what a great story that is. Uh, I love the yeah. idea that that he just sort of thought, hey, there's a new division. I'll give that a try. It looks fun. So it'll be interesting to see how how Hero does. Yeah, and for those paddlers who are listening and who want to who go on our site and go into the rules and go, you know, if if they click on the PowerPoint that we we show we have all racers look at, uh, the very last slide has a picture of Hero 
uh, at the finish. And you can see exactly what I mean when I say the happiest guy on earth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely recommend that everybody go and, uh, and check out that site, yukonriverquest.com and check out this race, you know, add it to your, your bucket list. Um, and, and I mean, try to, at some point, uh, try to get up there. And I, I like the fact that this isn't just for elite racers. This is obviously an extremely difficult race, a very serious race, just because of the, the nature of 715 kilometer race. But I mean, if you can, uh, if you can get in there, if you can squeeze in, uh, you know, and get in the, the registration before it fills out, do it because, uh, boy, this just seems like an amazing opportunity. So listen, Jeff, thank you very much for, for joining us and for telling us a bit more about this race. And we'll certainly be watching to see how things go in 2017. And, and, uh, I think we'll, we'll try to connect with you again after the race and, and we'll probably try to connect with uh, a couple of the racers as well. So, uh, thank you very much for the information. Thanks for joining us. Okay. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Talks Up Canada podcast. Theme song is courtesy of Arcanum Music, a website that promotes the work of small music producers. Our announcer is Josie Barkway. If you like the idea of a Canadian-focused paddleboarding podcast, please share this on social media and drop us a rating on iTunes. If you have an idea for a future episode, or if you're interested in sponsoring the show, email me at dan at talksup.ca. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until then, get out there and live the dash.